The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Cowboy A very different but fun episode awaits you today. We welcome Chris Saliza to Studio Jake. Chris is a political commentator. He's worked for CNN. He's written for a number of different publications, and he's been a frequent panelist on Meet the Press. He's also written a number of books, one of which is the subject of today's episode. Power Players, Sports Politics, and the American Presidency. One, it's a really interesting read. Please go out and pick up the book. And two, you'll really enjoy this interview. In the book, Chris explains the crossroads between politics and sports, how the presidents in the Oval Office have all been involved with sports, from Gerald Ford being a star football player to Barack Obama's pickup basketball career to George W. Bush throwing out the most famous first pitch in all of baseball. We pick up with the presidency around the mid-20th century and run all the way through the current presidents. Chris goes through some great stories, details some really interesting facts about our presidents and the sports that they played, and gets into the current climate of how sports and politics use each other. Y'all please enjoy this episode, and have a great weekend. All right, this is a special treat. This is a thinking man's pod, thinking woman's pod. Um, so, from time to time, with a history teacher on staff, we go, we go backwards, uh, and we love talking about presidents. And I am really excited to have Chris Eliza in studio today. He drove down from D.C. to talk about, among other things, his book Power Players. Uh, it's about how basically sports and uh, the presidency kind of overlap in the history of our country. We see sports uh, as sports fans as entertainment, but if you're the president, you might see it as an opportunity. And I think it's a really interesting topic. You might know Chris from the Kornheiser Show, from CNN, uh, Washington Post. Uh, You catch him on Substack. Uh, He's got a really good following, and we just met, so uh, I want to welcome Chris into the studio. Happy to be here. Yeah, Glad to be in Charlottesville. It's great having somebody in studio. Yeah, oh, it's way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, years in TV has taught me that if you can be in person, you're much better off. Remote is not as good. And that's the way the whole landscape, we were talking about the whole landscape before we popped on, but that's the way the landscape's going. So anytime we're we're not on Zoom post-pandemic, I'm a happy man. Uh, and so I appreciate you being here. What's tougher, meet the press or coming down here for Greenlight Pod? Well, this just started, so I don't know that I can make a total determination on that. Uh, meet the press isn't bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all—it's funny. Life is all relationship-driven. 
So I know Chuck Todd really well. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, huge sports fan. Really? Uh, yeah. Miami uh, Hurricanes, right? Went to University of Miami on a French Horn scholarship. No Fun way. fact. French Horn scholarship. Swear to God. That is, that is how, They are. Yeah. yeah. Get your kid playing the French Horn. You think your kid should be playing <laughs> basketball. Good school, too. I think it should be playing basketball. They should yeah. be playing the French mm-hmm. Horn. Uh, so... It's not as nerve-wracking as you might think. TV is all, it's like everything else. The first time I was ever on TV, I was on C-SPAN when I was 24. And I literally look like I'm going to have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. I'm like sweating. Mm -hmm. It's rough. Got like like my dad's wool suit coat on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a good look. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, over time, you either stop doing it or you get less nervous doing it. So... No question. Plus, I've always liked to hear myself talk. No, I mean, me too. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we have that in common. Uh, I, You know, like, if we're talking about presidents in sports, uh, before we get there, since you have a really um, wide-ranging kind of, like, uh, network of relationships in the media, who's a great athlete in the political media? Um, oh, good question. Yeah, who, who could actually throw a ball around or hit a ball? Or, so... Chris, I, I, my my experience primarily is playing basketball because yeah. that's what I was, to the yeah. extent I was ever good at anything, yeah. uh, I was good at playing basketball. You're tall guy. I was like this height when I was 12. What which are you, 6'3", 6'4"? 6'3". When I was 12, that was a huge advantage yeah. in my town of 5,000 people. <laughs> yeah. I was housing people. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I was just killing people. Uh, I didn't realize the world was bigger than my town of 5,000 people in mm-hmm. rural Connecticut. Um Chris Hayes is a good basketball player from yeah. MSNBC. Yeah. Uh, good drive, uh, pretty tough, um, like competitive mm-hmm. guy you would want to play pickup basketball with. Uh, who else is good? Guy named Paul Jago, who's the editor of the Wall Street Journal's op-ed page. He's older now, mm-hmm. but physical, tough. You know, on a po- I like I like people who get who mix it up because mm-hmm. like if you even pick up basketball you in DC, fouls well, even pick up basketball in DC is like semi political because it's like oh uh, you know I I for years played at Gonzaga High School. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I didn't play at Gonzaga. They're incredible, but I yeah. played pickup at Gonzaga yes. High School, and it would be you know a bunch of lobbyists and guys who worked for members of Congress and former you know former members of Congress and and media types. I like the people that like get into it. Hard you know fouls? I mean? Yeah. Like politically driven hard fouls? Uh, I don't I always wondered about that. I'd always say, you know, like, you can do whatever you want, but just don't touch the face. Yeah. You know, for me. Yeah, it's yeah, the moneymaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I'd always, I'd go, I'd go from playing pickup and I'd like take, you know, you try to like, uh, uh, you got to go out and I'd have to go do TV. And so I'd finish playing basketball at like 730 and I'd have, be on TV at 830. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's plenty of time. I'll cool down. Mm-hmm. Take like a super cold shower and then get out and still be sweating like, a, like pig. a tomato. Totally. It's really TV. the worst. I did that a number of times. So there's a few. Um, you know who's really good basketball player uh, is John Thune, the senator, John oh, really? Thune. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He played at uh, Biola, Biblical Institute of right. Los Angeles, NAIA yeah. school. He's tall. He's about six, 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 five, six, six. He Again, he's older now. He's probably in his 60s. I don't want to age him, but I think he's in his 60s. Yep. I played with him when he was in his late 40s. He's good. Okay. I mean, he could play. He can shoot. Okay. He, he was good. Um, there's a few lobbyists out there who are good. Um, but, yeah, it, it, look, D.C. is not the world's most athletic place. Uh, it, like, when I when I when when you're talking about the political yeah. world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the yeah. – I mean, yeah, B- Bill Bradley was a great basketball player, but that mm-hmm. was, like, before my time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And why are sports and politics so 
seemingly inextricably linked. I mean, like around the world too. Well, you can talk to this, I think too, as a professional athlete. Like I think the, I think there are two things that really, well, one big thing that really drives it is ambition. So politicians are ambitious just by nature, really ambitious people, high achieving, uh, really, really strong willpower, uh, people who are drawn to performing in public. I mean, mm-hmm. I always say like, look, uh, you could be on the Montgomery County Council in DC and you know, you're know you not on TV. You know, like if you're running for president of the United States, you're performing. I mean, it's yeah. a performance job yeah. in front of lots and lots of people. Um, you like getting cheered. You know, I mean, it, I would assume at least part of what drives professional athletes is you run out yeah. and people scream your name. You feed off the crowd. Right, exactly. Uh, same thing. Um, I think they're really competitive people too. Yeah. Uh, again, politics is and a healthy har- egos. Yes, and a healthy ego. Pol- I w- let me talk about the ego thing for a sec. Think about if you want to run for president, what you're saying. You among 330 million people are uniquely skilled to represent all those people. Mm-hmm. It's a massive egotistical statement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that in my family, mm-hmm. much less like, you know, yeah. the country. Um, and I just, I also think the competitiveness thing is really important because again, you are, you are choosing to be judged by a fickle public, uh, which again, is not all that dissimilar from sports. It's like, you know, one GM to another GM or one coach to another coach or just the public yeah. of, you know, fans of the team. Um, you know, I always ask people who are not in politics, like just imagine if your life was every two years, your co- your coworkers got to vote on whether you kept your job or right. not. That's politics. Yeah. I mean, every two years you have to go it, six if you're in the Senate, two if you're in the House, four if you're president. But every couple years, yeah. you have to go and have judgment rendered on you by the people who you represent. It's mm-hmm. a hard thing, and I think it drives. It's a certain kind of person really ambitious, really competitive, that is drawn to it. I always feel like, does not does it possibly disqualify the people who would be best suited to run a country because yeah. the the personality type that demands that ascension and, mm-hmm. you know, the willingness to burn bridges, the ego, the, the you know, the willing to, the willingness to uh, kind of forego your values for the greater good of the, the, yep. the, the party and that sort of thing, the quid pro quo, like, the people I imagine that I'd want to run the country wouldn't be willing to do all those things. No, we were talking about this beforehand is, you know, how do you wind up with an 80 year old and a 76 year old who have already run (laughs) once against one another? How do you wind up with the two of them? I'm wondering the same thing. Right. How do you wind up with the two of them? And the reason I think is (laughs) because politics is not an appealing profession. Right. Uh, It's already hard. As I mentioned, like you're, you're going out having to raise a ton of money ask for votes constantly, ask for money probably even more constantly than you're asking for votes. Um, you figure if you're going to run for president, you got to raise at least a billion dollars. Uh, you know, that Biden raised a billion three. Trump, the Trump breaks all rules, but, you know, probably less than that. But still in the billion dollar range. I mean, just think about, think about the difficulty of raising a million dollars, mm-hmm. you know, and then add 999 more to that. Um you're subject to, I don't want to call it character assassination, but a deep dive into your character. And I would suggest that most people in this country, certainly myself included, if every national reporter was diving into my background, 
I'm not sure how well I would fare. What's that? What's that like for them? Because I always wondered yeah. if I were to run for president. Not that I'm thinking about it, but just for, the only thing, the only lens that I look at it through is what would that background check be like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like and and what goes into that? And is there are there ways that they combat that? Like if you're getting ready to run, do you yeah. go back through your yeah you do your history yeah. and you've got somebody who is assigned mm -hmm. to wiping the slate clean? If you're if you're smart. Uh, and not all of them are smart about it. But if, you, if you've if you got good people around you, what you do is you do an oppo research book on yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have a private investigator. Uh, uh, there are people who just do opposition research. So they go through public records. And uh, obviously, if you've ever been arrested before and all, they go that's through easy. all that stuff. Yeah. That, that stuff's easy. But divorce, proceedings. I mean, the number of times Senate, House, and, and presidential races where it's like, it starts off like, oh, the divorce, the divorce proceedings are sealed. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, here are the divorce proceedings. It's like, well, I thought they were, <laughs> like, everything comes out mm -hmm. is, the gen, is the general rule. So I think the smartest thing, it's like life, you're better off getting ahead of it so you know it's coming. Now, can you wipe stuff clean? I'm skeptical you can forget anything in the age of the internet. I'm skeptical anything goes away. And that's the thing is now I feel like, you know, forecast 20 years down the road, it's going to be almost impossible to run under that standard that somebody in the 90s would have run where you had to be relatively squeaky clean. There's a paper trail for everything yep. now and it's electronic and there's video of you doing X, Y, and Z. It's like the standard has naturally lowered. Uh, I mean, Trump, Well, obviously. I was going to say, Trump, I mean, look... I, I still remember when Trump emerged on the scene. This is May 2015. You know, my my main criticism of him was like this was still a party that was very socially conservative, the mm -hmm. Republican Party. This is a guy who'd been married three times. Mm -hmm. uh, his current wife is significantly younger than he is. He's got kids from several different marriages. I just figured that won't fly. Mm -hmm. Now, again, Trump, I think it's important to remember, breaks every rule. Now, the question is... Is it just him breaking the rule? Like, is it a one-off? Mm -hmm. You know, is it an anomaly? Like, yes, he breaks the rules, but the rules are still the same for everybody else? Mm -hmm. Or not? I mean, in the 2016... <laughs> my favorite slash the worst part of the 2016 campaign was Marco Rubio, for two days, tried to get in the gutter with Trump. Mm -hmm. And his big attack, if you remember it, was... Trump has small hands, you know what that means. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And Trump, in a debate... Which still stuns me. I went and watched this the other week. In a debate said, trust me, there's no problem down there. I mm -hmm. guarantee it. Which is really remarkable. I assigned my middle school students to watch that debate, immediately regretted it. I mean, it's stunning. Like, it's, it's stunning. The debates are awful. It's stunning that that occurred. Like, I, and yet... You would think like, oh, that's bad. Ch talking about his genitalia size might be bad for Donald yeah. Trump. Yep. Nope. <laughs> yep. Totally fine for him. It, it was bad for Marco Rubio. People are like, oh, I can't believe Marco Rubio is playing nasty, dirty pool. And yeah. you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I, what about the, the what about the other guy? So that's the thing with him is I don't know whether we've changed as a country, whether it's through the you know social media, rise of the internet, whatever. We've changed as a country. We don't expect that out of our politicians mm -hmm. anymore. Being divorced, I mean, it was such a big deal that Reagan was divorced yeah. and remarried. It yeah. was like a huge yeah. thing. Now you got a guy who's in on his third marriage, right? Does it not matter anymore? 
uh, or is it just Trump and then, you know, it matters for everybody not named Trump? I think it's the mental gymnastics of whoever you want to be the guy. Totally. You, you, just you can, you can shoehorn your belief system into almost anything. Did I hear that LBJ had big hands? Huge. Big like, guy. Big hands. Yes. And also, uh, you want to talk about a guy who was comfortable with public nudity. Uh, there's all these, there's, uh, there's some of this stuff in the book. Um, you know, he was famous for having people come in while he was going to the bathroom, mm -hmm. like pulling people into the bathroom while he was going, yeah. literally, yeah. actively. Check this out. Yeah. And he would talk a lot about the size of his Johnson, uh, like in in public, like with, not not like public speeches, but like with other people, mm -hmm. including his aides. He mm -hmm. was fascinated by it. He had a nickname for it. What was the nickname? I don't remember. Yeah. I blocked that out. Yeah, I blocked that out a while ago. I couldn't. I couldn't live with that information. Couldn't have that information right on hand. So, so the the other thing I think about sports and politics is uh, in you know the fact that his presidential penis nickname was Jumbo. Um, oh, there you go. So it's God, back God bless the internet. Now you have it in your head. Now, thanks, great. Um, but yeah, we talk politics on this pod. Um, you know. Uh, when it comes to the presidency and world leaders at large, like a lot of them are men, and I, I do believe it's hard to ignore the you know the the the, the masculine nature of like being yep. in with the guys yep. and being in with the most popular teams and leagues, like that kind of and and a lot of these guys aren't jocks, you know, a lot of most these guys of them are, are not athletic, and the feeling of like I'm in the club, uh, and and I'm pictured in the club and I'm shaking hands. Totally. With team and I, the one that jumps to mind there is Reagan. So Reagan is like a very indifferent athlete. He played I, all these guys. I mean, it's so hard because times have changed so much. Many of these guys played football in college, Yeah, but it's not like how you played football right. in college. You know what I mean? It's like uh, Reagan played at Eureka college, which is this tiny school in California. So he plays, but it was more, he doesn't really care about it. He's not into it to the extent he cares at all about uh, sports. Is he played this guy named George Gipp in Newt Rockney All American, this old timey yeah. movie? Yep. He plays this running back who gets sick and dies. Yeah. And so that's where Win One for the Gipper comes from. Win it's all it's all yeah. from that movie. So the extent he cares about anything, he cares about Notre Dame football because that movie is about Notre Dame football. Again, it's a totally fictional account, but like Reagan gets into it. Um, but Reagan is smart to your point about wanting to be in with like the in crowd Ra what Reagan realizes is like, wait a minute, like, uh, being pictured around great athletes is good for me. Yeah. So Reagan formalizes the process of bringing in Super Bowl winning teams, NBA champions, college champions into the white house. Mm -hmm. You know, we think of that happening all the time. Now mm -hmm. that was Reagan. Yeah. Um, and, and there's great footage. God bless YouTube for this book because there's great footage on YouTube of like, Reagan shooting a puck into a goal that they mm -hmm. set up. Reagan throwing a football. Reagan uh, uh, shooting a how basketball. Many, how many takes? Yeah, you don't know how many takes it took. Uh -huh. I agree. They didn't show that. Yeah. Um, but he loved like getting the jersey, and he was fascinated. I mean, some of the stuff. Th th this is in the book. He's like totally fascinated by how tall Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. he had to stoop to get into the mm -hmm. into the Oval Office. Um, so he got it. He understood that in sort of a, which I don't think should be terribly surprising. This is a guy who built his career as an actor. Mm -hmm. He gets perception. Yeah. He gets that perception off in Trump's reality. So yeah. when you ask people like, who was a good athlete president? A lot of people will say Reagan. Yeah. Um, and most people, I always, 
Ford is sort of a forgotten president, but but to the extent that people have any impression of Jerry Ford, it's like he was clumsy. He's kind of an oh, he was terrible at golf. Like Jerry Ford was an All American offensive lineman at Michigan. Yeah, and he had, linebacker, he, right? Yes, he had he had offers to play uh, for the Lions and the Packers. Yeah. coming out of college. Yeah. Now he turned them down to go to law school. Which like talk about decisions that like are different today than they were then. Back then it was like eight hundred dollars a week mm-hmm. or something to play mm-hmm. professional sports. It was yeah. not like not like it is now. Um, but like the perception of him is that he was this like terrible athlete he was pretty bad at golf yeah uh but he's like a really good skier he's like a really good natural athlete but he downplays it because he doesn't want to be a dumb jock yeah and he might be one of the best athletes of all the presidents. best pre- best athlete really yeah yeah no question and you wrote i mean well i should say i always say this about it i wrote about i wrote about from eisenhower, eisenhower to biden yeah so that's 13 presidents like is it possible that like millard fillmore was like a great athlete <laughs> like, like teddy roosevelt i mean so he seemed to he be was, great at everything he was a, he tough. was like a good yes he was like clearly a good outdoorsman uh you know, Teddy Roosevelt effectively saves football. He brings in he brings in the 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 heads of Princeton and Yale, the like powerhouses mm-hmm. of college football at the time, yeah. which is not what they are now. But yeah. at the time, it's yeah. Ivy Leagues brings them in because people are dying on the field and like having suffering brain injury. And he they 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 bring the modern uh, the the forward pass in. They mm-hmm. change a bunch of rules that makes football mm-hmm. grow. So yes, Roosevelt is one. But I don't. To me, it's like clearly Ford. Um, just because he played Division One athletics at a super high level. Yeah. Uh, no one else did that. Bo- Bush Senior. So uh-huh. George H. W. Bush played uh, baseball at Yale. Yeah. Uh, light hitting, slick fielding, first baseman. Um, never had any, I don't, I don't think had any dreams, maybe had dreams of, but never any real chance of being a pro. Yeah. Not good enough. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, I would say more than half of them are mediocre to bad athletes. Doesn't mean they don't, other than Johnson, Johnson does not compete in any sports, doesn't care, never interested. The rest of them play sports. Nixon plays uh, football in college at Whittier College. Fascinating because it's like there's all these great interviews with his teammates from the time where they're like, he was basically a tackling dummy. Yes. You know, well, you know, I mean, yeah, there are some guys. We need you, those. You need the practice squad too, you know, and he was practice squad would be like a, a real step up for Nixon, to be mm-hmm. honest. But he he's at this tiny school and he's just a guy who gets tackled. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who gets knocked down. But he was like the biggest sports fan, right? Huge fanatic sports yeah. fan. Um, my, my favorite story about it, like, Talk about focused on the wrong stuff. So during Watergate, this AP reporter, like at the end of a press conference, this AP reporter is like, uh, who, who's your favorite baseball player ever? And Nixon is like, Nixon says something like, let me get back to you, which usually I always say, you know, when a politician says, let me get back to you, it's basically like, I will never answer this question mm-hmm. ever in my life. You know, it's like code. Mm-hmm. But Nixon goes to Camp David with his son-in-law, David Eisenhower, who's married to, who is married to Julie Nixon, is married to Julie Nixon. And uh, he comes up with, <laughs> I mean, this is like so over the top. He comes up with four different teams. Mm-hmm. One from like 1850 to 1930, American League and National League. One 1930 to the 60s, American League and National League. And it's not just like 
Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio. He like goes way deep into it. Like he's got like <laughs> the left-handed relief pitcher out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. He's like so into it. And again, just a reminder, this is during Watergate. Yeah. You know, like like there were other fish to fry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe he needed a he's distraction. Got like a, a big board in his. In the <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, why does he? Yeah. Why is he that into it? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's he is the biggest fan. I mean, I I think the right way to see Nixon is like. Uh, the guy who in the modern era would be the team manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's not good enough at sports to really play. Back then, it was like... Like, we'd hire him here to yeah. do, like, research and... <laughs> totally. He'd be great at that. Yeah, you know? That would be his wheelhouse. I he loved that stuff. Yeah. He loves stats and all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah, he's like that guy. He's yeah. like the stats guy. Yeah. Um, who's real into it and who knows everything about it but never played it and certainly was not good if and when he played it but is obsessed with it. I mean, Nixon is like a, you, you mentioned at the start, like we think of pol- sports as something we do for fun and distraction and, you know, and, and politicians, like, do they use pol- do they use sports for their own political gains? The answer to that is, of course, is yes. They're politicians. They use everything for mm-hmm. political gain. But Nixon actually is like a real, genuine fan. For the right reasons. Yeah, <laughs> I think he is like a re- legitimate fan. Look, he did some stuff. He goes to uh, 1969. It's called the Game of the Century. Um, it's Texas versus Arkansas, college football. They're both undefeated at the time. He goes to that game on the advice of his political people who say that this is like in your wheelhouse and, you know, this is, uh, these are your people. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes, to, there's a great part of that game. So he goes to that game and he goes into the booth at halftime and Arkansas is winning. And he predicts Texas wins. Now, who is watching that game at home? Young Bill Clinton. No way. Yes. And Bill Clinton still, it's in the book, Bill Clinton still remembers how pissed off he was Mm -hmm. at Nixon Mm -hmm. for what he took. Texas goes on to win. Mm -hmm. Texas goes on to win. And Clinton, obviously, Clinton is another one who's actually like a real fan, at least of the Arkansas teams, um, football and basketball. And... uh, he he's just pissed the, the, at him for years mm-hmm. that that he picked it, you know, like I, that that. That's why I got into now another interesting thing about that is Joe Joe Paterno is like rip shit that because what Nixon essentially does is say this is this is obviously before the BCS championship like mm-hmm. this is you know it was like mm-hmm. de- declaring a national champion was random mm-hmm. so Nixon essentially says like whoever wins this game will be the national champion. Right. Penn State is undefeated that year, too. And Paterno, there's these great Paterno quotes. They're in the book. There's these great Paterno quotes like, maybe Richard Nixon should spend more time with politics than sports. Like, he's pissed because he thinks Penn State. Stick to politics. Right. Um, Bill Clinton, uh, one time, I love this story, too, just about fans, like a real fan. He goes to, in 94, I think that's right, Duke and Arkansas are playing in the College Basketball National Championship. It's 94, right? Yeah, yeah okay. I remember. I always remember the Final Four. These so, UCLA, uh, Oklahoma State is big country Reeves. Yep, Brian Reeves. And, uh, and Arkansas and UNC so, maybe. It so was a UNC Arkansas, yeah. has, Arkansas has Scotty Thurman. Yeah. They have Corliss, Corliss Williamson. Those are their two big guys. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and the coach is Noel Richardson. It was a whole 40 minutes of hell mm-hmm, thing. They great. pressed the whole game, right? Um. Clinton, he spends the morning at Jacobs Field, mm-hmm. uh, opening Jacobs Field for the, the then Cleveland Indians. Yes. He throws out the first pitch. Mm-hmm. It's a day game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he then goes at night to the ch- national championship game. And he's in a, he's in a uh, box, obviously. He's the president of the United States. Yeah. 
And he's like really pissed at the refereeing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, welcome to every team that's ever played Duke in college basketball yes, ever. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you think that Duke is getting the calls? Yeah. What a what a giant surprise! Do you also hate Duke. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. You're yeah, a good yeah. company. I, I I am a Georgetown fan. I hate everyone who's not Georgetown, mm-hmm. basically, which is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We're so bad now. I feel like it's it's almost impossible. I've lost my ability to care. I've 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 moved well, into stunned apathy. Try uh, losing to a 16 seed. Yeah, there is that. Well, you've had you've won a national yeah, championship right, in the last right, few years. You're right. It's hard to. Come t- back, I mean, yeah. anyway, he goes to this game and he's he's like wildly gesticulating in the box mm-hmm. at the refs, and like the camera pans up to him mm-hmm. and like shows him. Mm-hmm. And so at halftime, they have to sit him down and be like, you know, Mr. President, like you can't. Not a good look. Yeah, like you can't do that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we get we get that Arkansas is getting screwed, mm-hmm. and Duke is you know Duke is their favorite. Mm-hmm. But like you're the president of the United States, yeah. like you can't behave that way. Yeah. Arkansas goes on and wins. He mm-hmm. goes in the locker room. It's like a huge moment for him. But he's another one who's like an actual fan. Yeah. You know, uh, particularly of the Arkansas teams. You know, you get beyond that. He he winds up being like interestingly like a big soccer advocate. Mm. Tried to get the World Cup here mm. um, this time around. Lost out to it. Uh, I talked to a guy who was there. Uh, when he was given the presentation, this is like six years ago, and said that Clinton spoke entirely about himself. <laughs> so typical. Clinton spoke entirely about himself and didn't talk at all about the U.S. and the Olympics, and that Morgan Freeman was also there as part of the presentation and, like, couldn't get his cue cards right or something. Like, mm-hmm. the presentation was a cluster. A shit show. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he got into soccer. You know, the Women's World Cup was in the United yeah. States during his presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, so he's he and Nixon are the two that I think – and Obama, certainly, particularly of the NBA and college yeah. basketball. Um, you know, Biden is not a huge fan. Yeah. Never has been. Played football uh, in high school, was a good wide receiver, uh, was supposed to play at Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, at Delaware. Yeah. And got terrible grades, and his parents said, you can't play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, I, beyond that, I don't think he cares like that the much. the leather helmet era. Yeah, there's a great there's a great uh, line that Lyndon Johnson had about Jerry Ford. He said Jerry Ford played too many games without a helmet on. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the good. whole knock uh-huh. on Ford was that yeah. he was dumb. Yeah. And by the way, that's why Ford doesn't talk about Ford doesn't talk about what a good athlete he is because, he because he's so self conscious about being a dumb jock. Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally fascinating yeah. because, and I think that's at least in part why people have this impression of him as, uh, like clumsy is because yeah. he lets that be the the image of him, even though like Jerry Ford is like very, very athletic. Yeah. Like com- especially compared to the rest of the people uh, we're talking about, like from Eisenhower on, I mean, he's clearly the best athlete. Did Nixon call a play for the Redskins? Yeah. He was a big Redskins fan. This is in the so, playoffs. Yeah. So it, he, so he, George Allen is the coach at the time. Yes. He knows Allen through politics stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I write a lot about this. It's never entirely clear whether he calls a play or not. He goes to a practice earlier in the season. It's apparently that they run an, an end around is the play. Uh, it's not clear that Nixon like calls it in. You know, there's mm-hmm. all these stories like Nixon called in it. He called George Allen on the phone. The play is run in the end of the first half of a game. Mm-hmm. The Redskins at the time are winning like, like a waste play. Yeah, they're well. They're about to go. It's actually interesting. They're about to go in for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They're on like the ten, and they run this play, and they're already ahead. They run this play, and it it's like a twenty five yard loss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so they don't score. Yeah. And they go on and lose the game. And so mm-hmm. Nixon takes all the shit for mm-hmm. it. 
because it's like, well, Nixon called a terrible play and it cost something. It's not entirely clear he like called it. It's like there's some people who say George Allen like see, told Nixon to tell them the run and end around because yeah. George Allen wanted that run. I think it's very much not talk about like, you know, three dimensional chess. I think it's very much not true that Nixon called the sidelines mm -hmm. and told George Allen to do it and George yep. Allen did it. They knew one another. Nixon had been to a practice. Sure, he could have suggested a play because again, think about what we know about Nixon. He's like the uber nerd fan. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's like scheming plays up. Mm -hmm. Like, is that surprising? You know, it's like these guys who call into sports. Him, no. Yes, it's like guys who call into sports talk radio. Like, we just we're in a four three and we need to do. You know, it's like this like very complicated mm -hmm. stuff because they think they know. I watch yeah. all twenty two and so I know exactly what everything looks like. You know, I think that's Nixon. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if if you're willing to let he's people always say it's funny you mentioned sports radio. People, as I'm doing promo for the book, they're like, "Who's the president most likely to call into a sports talk radio station?" I'm it's like, Nixon. "Oh, it's Nixon, a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, yeah, he would be like Dick from uh, you know Dick from Washington. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. he would be calling in all the time because yeah. that's who he is. Like, yeah. that's what you know. So he'd have a pro football focus account. Exactly, he'd be thing. big in a fantasy football. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. like all that stuff makes sense. So it makes sense what we know about him personality wise that he would do that. Yeah. I don't know exactly. I think he probably gets more blame for this idea that, like, in real time. I mean, think about it. It was it was far enough ago. It was the seventies. It's not as though like he picked up. He he texts George Allen. Mm -hmm, no. George Allen on the sideline yeah, looked it up. Get, get like, how would you get that, that call to him? You call yeah. like the offensive coordinator. The you call flag. RFK Stadium. The red phone. Yes, can I please talk yeah. to George Allen? Yeah. You know, like, there's no. Yeah. So I think it's a little overblown, but I think he did probably suggest a play that, yes, that play wound up being a big loser. <laughs> for like, all right, we're running that Richard Nixon play. Over the <laughs> yeah. fuck. 20, 20, yeah. 25 yard loss on an end around. So was he the first guy, uh, if I understand it correctly, that used um, a national broadcast to get on TV uh, during a sporting event? Yeah. So he, he does. I mean, the, the, the game of the century is broadcast on national television. Yeah. Um, look, for everything I just said about Richard Nixon being a real fan, he also understood the power and persuasive nature of sports. So yeah. Nixon's whole thing was a silent majority, that there was a, a majority in this country who agreed with him. They were sort of on the quiet side, but that's how he would get elected. So whether it's college football that he was focused very much on throughout his life, uh, as a, his political life as a way to kind of reach that silent majority or and I talk a lot about this in the book But it's really important to, to Nixon bowling Yeah, he'd bowl alone, right? He, he would he got the, the so bowling alley it's put in the White super House. he got the bowling alley put in the White House So I always say to people like bowling in the late 60s and early 70s was not what it is today It was like the it was like event. a big deal yeah. like the first sponsored athlete this is crazy to me i found this out doing the book the first athlete to get a company to sponsor them was a professional bowler that's wild which like yeah. i mean it seems unimaginable it's like a great fact to, to uh well wow you're very nerdy friends mm -hmm. but it, but it would be i mean it's like a like how could that possibly be true but so bowling was like a huge deal uh in the 60s and early 70s he has an alley put in uh, and he would go, I mean, this is amazing to me. So like, he's talking to the press about this. He's like, when at 10 o'clock at night, a lot of nights I go to the alley and I bowl between seven and 12 games by myself. Like, like what three, is the time three, commitment? Yeah. So he's bowling by himself in, you know, that famous picture. It's in Big Lebowski yeah. mm -hmm. of him bowling uh -huh. with like the suit on and uh -huh. the white shoes. That's from the, that's from the white house bowling alley. Yeah. Um, 
And I think it's like such a powerful image of Nixon. Like he was doing it. At, he was doing it was a combo. I think he liked bowling. He was pretty good. It was the one th- sport he was pretty good at. He rolled rolled a two twenty nine mm-hmm. at one point in his life. But like I just think he thought it was good for his politics too. There's no question about that. Like he he thought that the silent majority, you know, white male, rural, blue collar. That, that was who he thought the silent majority was, and they bowled. Mm-hmm. So he was doing it for political reasons. But the image, as well as he enjoyed it, and the image of him, you said bowling alone, like that that image I just keep coming back to, like frame after frame at like midnight, mm-hmm. just slinging balls by himself. It's amazing. Like, you know, and it's so it's so telling about who the guy was fundamentally. Like he's a, he's a loner. He's super uncomfortable with small talk. He's not social in any meaningful way. Like not like a president. Not at way. all. Like when you think of like Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or George George W. Bush, like people who are good at bullshitting. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a pejorative no, way. Yeah, yeah. Just good at talking. Yeah. Good at talking to people. Yeah. He's the opposite of that. Yeah. He actually uses sports all the time. That's one way that Nixon uses sports to help him. He never knows how to talk to people, like on the campaign trail. He never knows what to say. He's he's super awkward. I mean, if you you know, like if you've ever seen him speak, he's an awkward speaker. He's not someone. If you were picking, like that guy would run for president one day. Now he couldn't. He, he would struggle now. Yeah. yeah. Um, although I would point out, like Ron DeSantis. If you look at Ron, not to get too modern politics, but if you look at Ron DeSantis. Like, he's so awkward on the campaign mm-hmm. trail. I don't know how that'll wear. Yeah. But, like, yeah. some of the stuff he does. Like, he walked into this diner in New Hampshire the other day. I want to get too much on a tangent, but he walks into this diner in New Hampshire, and he's like, he doesn't even say hello. He's just like, okay, now what do I do? Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like a robot. Yeah. You know, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Did you yeah. see this? I did. It's just so, I mean, it's just so awkward. <laughs> and you're like, I can't believe that this guy is, like, in the business but of. the every like, man eats that up. It's just crazy. <laughs> now. That said, like if I had to go into, if we went down to a diner, whatever diner's close to here, and I had to like go introduce myself to every person in there, like I'm not sure I would like really yeah, love that either. It's an president. awkward yeah, thing, yeah. but I also am not trying to yeah. run for president. Um, Nixon is like that, uh, but he uses sports and his like nerdy sports knowledge to, you know, he'll be like, oh, did you see the Yankee game the other yeah. day? You know what I mean? Like he's able to yeah. use sports as a bridge. Yes. To because sports is one of the themes of the book is you know sports is this common language that people speak mm-hmm. much more so than politics mm-hmm. and if you're a politician you know your your mo is like how can I reach people how can I get people to think I'm one of them I understand them I care about them I'm similar to them um, even though I'm running for this like very high office I get their life and sports is a way to do that we you should know? bring back bowling as a conduit for that yeah. cash app. The easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people, and that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin, Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You want to remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, that's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. Good news, the Thursday show we do with AMP will continue 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, 
Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're going to be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at 4.30 on AMP. Uh, check us out. Speaking of bowling, like, was that one of Obama's biggest gaffes? I yes. Mean, 2008 campaign. Totally. 37, I believe. Yes. So Obama goes to, I love this story. Obama is in, I think he's in Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. And uh, he's, he goes to a bowling alley. Now, I talked to David Axelrod, his consultant, about it. And they're like, we didn't expect him to actually bowl. <laughs> you know, we just thought he'd go see some people, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, it's an yeah. event. And like, the <laughs> Axelrod gets a call from the advanced guy and the advanced guy's like, he's going to bowl. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wow, shit. You know, like that Obama's like a, uh, he's probably in the top third of the athletes of the presidents I covered. He's, he's a good recreational athlete. Yeah. Um, he's a pretty decent basketball player. I mean, again, is he as good? He's playing pickup games with Chris Paul and LeBron and Kobe. Like, no, I mean, yeah. he's not even, yeah, he's like, maybe D3 rotational player is what I would say. Got it. You know, I mean, he's not bad. Look, oh, I was yeah. not a D3 That's rotational player. Good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pretty good basketball. He's not a bad, and he's good in pickup because he's left-handed and he can oh, shoot. Okay. So, but he's, so he's, a, he's a pretty like overall able athlete, Yeah. but he's like, I don't think he's ever bowled before. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you know, like bowling is not the world's most natural like you don't have to be just because you're a pretty good athlete does not mean you're a great bowler i know right. from experience right same i'm like in the 30s yeah. that's my bit my kids are beating me yeah. at this point it's not right. great um so he he bowls like a 30 something yeah uh which again is like strikingly bad Thoughtful. like you know if you did Thoughtful. the like between your legs roll it slow bit which you can't do when you're president yes. but like or running for president but this is 08 and it's like it turns into a total problem for them yeah. and axelrod is like having to handle it and like they're trying to they're trying to like how get do you him, handle that get him to stop bowling like just, <laughs> no, you stop, just stop mid, stop mid, mid don't mid don't frame. get a full score yeah. Yeah. Because a full score, you can yeah. be like, he shot a 37. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Otherwise, you'd be like, he bowled a few frames. He wasn't great, he but like, who off. cares? Yeah. He left. He had and you could just say like, oh, I got mm -hmm. to meet a constituent. You know, you can always make an excuse. Um, but what's interesting about Obama, and I think telling is Obama is like fixated on how poorly he's done. And like goes and like s privately bowls a bunch <laughs> to ensure that if he's ever in that situation again, <laughs> that never he won't bowl at 30. No, he will never be in that situation yeah. again. Exactly. Yeah. The poor advanced guy is uh -huh. probably like looking for jobs. He's uh -huh. like on LinkedIn looking uh -huh. for jobs, yeah. you know? Um, but like, I do think that's telling about Obama, like a relentless person. It's why he's into golf too. Relentless, like practice yeah. makes perfect perfectionism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, fa it's fascinating to me. I did not get into the book thinking that bowling would be like a, a primary theme, mm -hmm. but at least two of them and George, uh, George W. Bush duck pin bowls when he's in New Hampshire, yeah. um, which growing up in Connecticut, I did a lot of duck pin bowling, uh, and is actually Bush is like a good overall all around athlete. Yeah. Like, uh, pretty good at football, pretty good at baseball, like, pr like picks things up pretty, yeah. he, he reminds me of my wife, like picks stuff up easily, yeah. like can do, do oh, a lot of different stuff brother. pretty well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, natural. Right. And so he's fine at it in a yeah. way that like Obama is more of a specialty athlete. Cause yeah. Obama is by all accounts. I mean, one of the things I really tried to find out was like, how good is he 
at basketball because mm-hmm. it's so hard. He's the president of the United States, and they only show the good shots. Yeah, they only show the good, they only show him like making it and then mm-hmm. like walking off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like when you're playing pickup with like people like former D1 guys, like yeah. they they go easy on yep. you. I and mean, that, you know, that's like also going to serve the purpose of the association thing. Which totally, is, hey, I'm out here with Chris Paul. Exactly. So it's going to look better. Exactly. I mean, that's my contention. Like as a like as a low D3 at best prospect in basketball. Like if I played with Chris Paul, if I was on a team with Chris Chris Paul, mm-hmm. I'd get like five open shots and yeah, I'd make two in of the them. corner and totally. corner three. I mean, that's why those guys are so good. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so I think he benefited from that, but it was always hard to know. He for his forty, I think it was his forty-sixth birthday. I could be wrong. Maybe it's forty-eighth birthday. But one of his birthdays in the forties. He has all those NBA guys, and yeah. they play pickup. Yeah, and. Like Joe Noah's there because of the Chicago connection, and and Chris Paul is there, and Kobe. Kobe's not playing, but like halfway through, Kobe calls Chris Paul over. This is in the book, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm quoting Kobe here. He's like, you're gonna let this motherfucker uh, <laughs> walk all over you, <laughs> like 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 thing. like you like what do you yeah, do? Like yeah. you know, you're one of the meanest sons of bitches in the NBA. And yeah. You're gonna let this guy." Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, and That's so, and then funny. from then on, like obviously Chris Paul tries and Obama doesn't score. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's a different level of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, but I love that story of like because it, it's so telling about Kobe. Yeah. You know, like just so competitive, it's a very Kobe thing, like very competitive, Kobe. like not willing to give an inch. But I think Obama is a like if you're if you're picking a pickup team, he's probably like a third, fourth, or fifth pick. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. number one pick, but he's certainly not the last pick. Not a liability. No, he's not a liability at all. He doesn't play anymore because he's worried about getting like uh, blown out his Achilles. Or yeah, which do, is which tough is, look. Yes, not yeah. great. Um, and, you know, Michelle Obama was very against him playing during the campaigns, which he would play all the time because they were always worried he was going to get like elbowed in the face or exactly. get a tooth knocked out or something. Yeah. Um, which never wound up happening. Axelrod told me this story about how they were playing pickup one time and he like accidentally clotheslined him. Yeah. Uh, but Obama got up and was fine. Uh, but yeah, so he only plays golf. Well, now, shit, but. I've been I've been on a field with Tom Brady in practice, and it's like don't touch that guy. Like don't even run by him. Right, right. Don't get I anywhere wonder, near him. I wonder him. who's who's got the red jersey on more, uh, you <laughs> Obama, know, like Tom Brady or Obama. <laughs> you talked about golf, uh, and obviously that's been. I mean, when it comes to sports, when you think about presidents, yeah. as far as them actually playing a sport, that's number that's one the through in, line. In my they head. all they all played it. And yes. Eisenhower, when he came into office, this isn't how it was. No. What's interesting again? It's hard because it's so long ago. But like you know, when Eisenhower comes in office, we've just won World War II. Yeah. There's people have two things that they didn't. Two things exist that didn't exist before World War II: the suburbs mm-hmm. and free time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 exaggerating a little bit, but mm-hmm. and the third thing, which is like people have a little bit of money. Yeah. Extra money. Mm-hmm. Um. So Eisenhower sort of, I think, guides Eisenhower and Arnold Palmer together, mm-hmm. sort of guide the country into what you do with your leisure time and your leisure money. Right. Um, because people don't know. They've been yeah. living in cities. We've been fighting a world war, been fighting the Nazis. You know what I mean? Like, they were focused on other stuff, understandably. Um, Eisenhower plays a lot of golf. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I always roll my eyes when people talk about 
uh, how much golf Trump and Obama played because comparatively, Eisenhower played five times as much it was golf. Like a thousand days. A thousand days. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Again, you talk about like Nixon probably couldn't get elected president now because he's so socially awkward. Like Eisenhower could never play as much golf as he did. Even as a military hero, yeah. he couldn't play as much golf as, yeah. as he did. I mean, he plays a stunning amount. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think he in some ways like teaches people what it's like, like what it's like to live in the suburbs, green space. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a pastime the president of the United States partakes you should try it and go the golf boom dates exactly toward the eisenhower presidency and again he and palmer are really good friends palmer's from pennsylvania palmer is much more of a blue collar guy than had ever played golf before mm -hmm. it was very much the the like an elitist sport yeah. and had that whiff to yeah. it um palmer is like a blue collar guy you know uh, popular with factory workers and golf becomes a big deal in blue collar circles yeah. like there are there are factory worker leagues uh, and stuff all because I think of Eisenhower and and Palmer together and they're really good friends Palmer speaks uh, In front of Congress about Eisenhower after Eisenhower dies he and his wife vacation with with Eisenhower I mean they're they're friendly. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about Eisenhower is you know Augusta is not really Augusta When Eisenhower becomes president like it's it's a popular club yeah. But like it's not what we think of it now like the world's most exclusive yeah. club I mean maybe other than owning an NFL team the world's most exclusive club, right? Um, and a lot of that is Eisenhower. He goes there all the time. He has a cat. They build him a cabin there. Mm -hmm. Still there. Really? Uh, he paints while he's there. Mm -hmm. He plays golf. There was a tree uh, named after. There's a tree. Yeah, there's a tree great. that he wanted taken down. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this. I love this about Augusta. So, on the 17th hole, there's a there was there's no longer in 02. I think there was a freeze in Georgia and it killed the tree, but. For years, there's a tree on 17 in the middle of the fairway that Eisenhower hits, like, constantly. Uh -huh. And he's he's an okay golfer. Mm -hmm. He's not a great golfer. He's an okay golfer. And he petitions Augusta to have the tree taken down. Now, re reminder, he's the sitting president of the United <laughs> States. Yeah. And they're like, no. Yeah, you can't We're not going to do that. Yeah. No, we're not going to change Some that. Some things are bigger than yeah, I mean, so it speaks, <laughs> I mean, I guess it speaks to the power of Augusta. But, yeah, I mean, Eisenhower makes golf a thing that is okay to do in this country yeah. and that people do which right. is very different than before he came in office did did i hear this correctly that he had a heart attack on the course yes uh it's crazy so he again it was the 50s i i always let me let me uh a couple pieces of the story you'll think like this could never happen mm -hmm. it's the 50s i think it's 53 he takes Yearly, he takes a several-month vacation. Several months. Yes, several months from August to October. He takes a several-month vacation to Colorado where he plays golf. On one of these trips, he's playing. He usually plays 36 a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, this guy's a golf walking, addict. Obviously. He's walking. Yes. 36 a day. Good shape. So he's, yeah, he's a trim guy. High altitude. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Training for a, at mm -hmm, altitude. Mm -hmm. um, he is playing, he's on like the sixth or the seventh hole, and his his uh, Secretary of State, a guy named John Foster Dulles, who the airport Dulles. is yes, yeah. named after, John Foster Dulles, uh, is, is trying to get in touch with him. Again, it's the 50s, so he's not like calling his cell phone. He's like calling somebody who then comes out in the course mm -hmm. and says like, mm -hmm. he needs to talk to you. And Eisenhower is super pissed because he doesn't want to be bothered on the golf course. Mm -hmm. And there's a physician, there's a doctor who's with him, who's either playing with him or just with him because he's the president. And the, the doctor says like, you can see the veins popping out on Eisenhower's neck when when Foster Dulles' name gets mentioned. He's just like super pissed. So at the turn, 
again, this was the 50s. He has a hamburger with uh, onions and bacon, like just you know, because whatever. That's what you ate back then. Uh, he Eisenhower was not on like a keto diet, mm-hmm. and uh, second nine, he starts. Foster Dulles is still bugging the shit mm-hmm. out of him, and he's just annoyed. He's like, "What the you know?" So they eventually talk. And Eisenhower views Foster Dulles as just being a pain in the ass, like wasting his time. Like, why did you, like, I'm trying to play golf. Mm-hmm. Like, we they, couldn't this have waited mm-hmm. this effectively? Um, so he gets to 18 and he's not feeling good. He thinks he has indigestion. So rather than play another 18, he just plays another nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's a golf addict. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most of us would be like, all right, 18 is fine. Pack I don't feel in. good. We'll pack yeah. it in. So he's on the eighth hole, his his twenty sixth hole of the day. When he's really not feeling well, he goes he goes back to the you know the setup, the Western White House that they have set up. So the press corps is told at the time he just has indigestion. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the fifties. Your your ability to you know there was no Twitter to be like mm-hmm. Eisenhower looked weak on the golf course. You know, there's none of that. Um, at two o'clock in the morning, they call the doctor in and they realize he's had a heart he had had a heart attack earlier in the day. On the golf course, and they have to like. Now, why is this interesting? I mean, a couple reasons, but one big one is there's no 25th Amendment, so there's no presidential succession. Yeah. So like Nixon is the vice president, but it's not clear that like Nixon would get the gig if Eisenhower was incapacitated. Who would decide that Eisenhower was incapacitated? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there's no process in place. All that stuff comes with Kennedy and his assassination. Mm -hmm. All that stuff comes a decade later. It winds up not mattering because Eisenhower never loses consciousness. He winds up recuperating for like several months at his farm in Pennsylvania and everything winds up. He goes and serves two terms. He dies of a, his heart is bad and he dies of heart condition later in life of heart failure. And he's not old. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's crazy to me like that. It happened that it was at least partly the result of his secretary of state bugging the crap out of him. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, But yeah, I mean, Certainly, the closest we've come, other than Reagan's assassination, to a president dying in office. And he was a good poker player as well. He was. He was really into cards. Um, he played poker. He he earned enough money playing poker to buy his f- Mamie, his future wife's ring. No, That's I, what paid yeah, for that ring. Yeah. His poker winnings. Yeah. He gets really into after. I don't know why he switches, but he's, he's, he's a very good poker player. But after college, after the Navy, he switches to, or the Army, excuse me, he switches to um, bridge mm-hmm. and gets really, really into bridge and plays bridge at, like, before a bunch of battles of World War II. Like, yeah. it's a way to calm himself really? down. And talk about how you can go deep on anything. So I type in, like, Eisenhower. I'm just, like, interested, like, that he played bridge. So I type in Eisenhower and bridge into Google, like, mm-hmm. as part of, like, years ago when I'm doing the research for the book. And there's the, all these great articles of, written by guys who work for, like, the War College, the Naval War College. And, you know, they're, they're like, military historians that bridge is the game that most approximates war mm. in that I don't really play, but, like, you have to signal to you, to mm-hmm. your the guy on your team across from you and like, how much do you tell them? Because mm-hmm. that then gives information to your, uh, your opponents yeah. sitting yeah. across from you. Yeah. And you know, you can bluff and give your, 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 the guy with you bad information to, so that they take that bad information, mm-hmm. but just that the strategy, you if you will, somewhere else. totally 
is is very similar yeah. in it, which I, I thought was totally fascinating. I like that SNL allusion to the strategery. Strategery, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do what I can. I, unfortunately, I usually say it. I've 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 been saying it more than strategy lately. Um, but yeah, so he gets really into bridge, which and the whole like bridge as war training yeah. is totally interesting to me. And there's tons of great. So there's, there's some stuff in the book, but there's a ton of great stuff about it. So where was it? You know, like with gambling in the presidency. I mean, like were these guys gambling? Were, yeah, they, they were playing and who were at the tables gambling with them any interesting people or just other political other players? political types largely I, again, I think The presidency is a very insulated life. Yeah, and so you're not putting a Ton of trust in people from the outside. Right. You're, you, you know, it's like Obama Obama who were who was Obama's friendship inner circle the people he'd been friends with for decades yeah. because it's like you know, adding new friends when you're the president is a loaded I, I, total acquisition. There. Yeah, you just don't know what they want from you. Yeah. You know, you want to be with people who you've known forever. Yeah. So it's usually those kind of people. But I do think they were, particularly with um, golf, really into gambling because, again, to get back to what, where we started, these are competitive as hell people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these are people who are like, really into competition into winning into beating people mm -hmm. uh there's a great story i love this story about bush uh, the elder bush so jim nance and the elder bush are very tight, tight right very yeah. tight yeah. like nance is like an unofficial son yeah. like they very cl closer than i i talked to nance for the book and like closer than i knew um and uh nance is playing golf one time with bush it's like one of the first times he ever played with him and he's like Bush is proposing the the like the bet, yeah, and he's like a dollar a hole or something. And Nance is like very hesitant because he doesn't know if like a dollar means like a grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he realizes over time that Bush means like legit a dollar. Mm -hmm. So like you know the most you can lose is eighteen <laughs> mm -hmm. bucks. This is a former president of the United States. You know he's got money. Yeah. Uh, but I love that story about Bush because he was you know like if you're looking for a good sport if you want your kid you want to find somebody who like you can point to as who was a president who was a good sport and a pretty good athlete like George H W Bush is the guy. What about sports gambling? Yeah. Was there any no. trace of guys betting on game? Not really, but and I think. And I who think would be most likely if you Nixon for sure? I mean, I hate to keep saying Nixon, but like he's just the most into sports. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. and like as we learned, he had like a degeneracy. He had a, he, yeah, he had a he had a, a movable line as it related to legality. Yeah, uh, uh, to put it nicely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nixon. I think. I mean, I think part of the issue was. Like sports gambling then versus sports gambling yeah, now. I mean, now it. it's like, you know, it's yeah. on your phone. Uh -huh. Take two seconds. You can bet on it whether the pitch is a ball or a strike. Yeah. You know, back Are then. Are you allowed to gamble as a president? Like from a legality standpoint? It's a good question that I don't know the answer to. I, I would say in practical terms, it doesn't matter because there's no way in hell you can. Yeah. Like, like whether you would legally be... There may not be a legal ruling on whether it's not like professional sports where like you can't gamble mm -hmm. on like professional sports. You work for the NFL, you can't gamble on the NFL. I don't know if there's a specific law or rule about it, but there's no way in hell any president would be caught gambling. No. I mean, I think they even downplay. Biden wouldn't know how to work draft. Right, games. right, exactly. They <laughs> doubt. They even they even downplay now, like yeah. that they bet on golf. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I think it's funny because gambling is such a huge part now. Of but I think for presidents, there's still an element of like, 
it's not something that a president wants to be involved Since we're on in. vices, I just have to ask. Yeah. I mean, any of them smoke My vices? Uh, smoke oh, marijuana? Yes, Bill Clinton. I mean, yeah, but he didn't inhale. <laughs> right? Uh, none. I mean, Obama has admitted to doing cocaine. Okay. Um, Bill Clinton, pot. Uh Beyond that, not w really. W. Bush cocaine, right? W. Bush cocaine. That's right. Yeah. That's right. When he was like in his drinking days. At least 20 years ago yes, or whatever right. the quote was. Um, and I think that's probably it. Now, admitted <laughs> to versus did is a Choked whole. up George Bush. That's a whole. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious. You know, what's, you know what's interesting about Bush is, um, so he's real into endurance sports. Yeah. Uh, younger Bush. I should say yeah. W. Bush. He's real into endurance sports, uh, mountain biking, running. Mm -hmm. And there's a great story of he, for his 40th birthday, he gets hammered. Mm -hmm. um, this is when he was still drinking. And he goes out and running the next day. And he basically has this revelation. According to him, he has this revelation about... Like, I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to choose one or the other. I've had those many yeah, that times. Really, but then, sweating it out. But then you go sweating back. Sweating it out, you go back. He did not go back. Yeah. Um, I, I do think there is a... Bush has an addictive... Bush Younger has an addictive personality, yeah. for sure. Um, and I think he uses running... I think he uses... He, he does these, like, mountain bike... When he's mm -hmm. president, they mountain bike in 110-degree heat mm -hmm. in Crawford, Texas. Mm-hmm. I think he uses that as a substitute, like for his addictive personality. Right. I think it's like it's it's a stand-in yeah. for drinking, a lot or of people drugs. Do, yeah. yeah, it's his it's his way to sort of cope. Mm -hmm. um, and he makes a big thing out of it. And you know, he he brings a treadmill on Air Force One. I mean, he's like real. Really? Yeah, he's real committed to running. No way. Um, yeah, so like when they're flying to Japan or whatever for some meetings, yeah. he's like running on on Air Force One. Do they all sit there on Sundays and watch games? Um, I think it depends who it NFL is. NFL fans? Mm. Uh, like let's probably see. have Red Zone, these guys? Uh, I would say Biden, probably not. Yeah. I don't think he's a huge fan. He Obama, claims to be an Eagles fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's an e ostensibly an Eagles uh -huh. fan, right. He has to be. Um, right, I don't think he has a choice yeah, from given where he's from. Uh -huh. And his wife is like a legit Eagles yeah. fan. Yeah. Um, uh, Obama, yes. For sure, Obama's into sports, likes sports, watches Sports Center, watches Part of the Interruption, like is into sports. Uh, Bush, uh, el Bush younger, yes. Uh, Bush elder, yes. Uh, Nixon for sure. And then before that, there's really and then not before a that, there's not like of, there's not like Sports yeah. Center. Yeah, you're watching yeah. like Warner Wolf do highlights. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, th those guys, I think, yes, I, I think Biden is the, and, and Trump, by the way, I skipped Trump, Trump for sure. Yeah. Trump is very into sports, yeah. Trump, you know, like, uh, whether it's trying to own teams or, or just follow it, he's very into sports and watches a ton of golf. So let's dive into Trump and yep. sports because, you know, like in my experience as an athlete, we definitely overlapped on some issues and, uh, the white house and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But his first foray really into into professional sports was uh, was was the USFL. Yeah. So USFL is really interesting, and if you've not read it, there's a book by a guy named Jeff Perlman. Yeah, I know Jeff. Uh, yeah. Friend, mm -hmm. uh, love him. Friend of the program. Love him. Yeah. Uh, he and he's got a new book about Bo Jackson. Yep. Which yep. I'm psyched for. Yep. He actually, I did a I did a book festival this weekend. He read like two in front of me, so I missed it. Which I was pissed about because I wanted I not I don't know him. So like Bo didn't want to talk to him because Bo doesn't talk to people. Like Bo, you know, for for one thing, he's got the hiccup. That's right. He still got yeah. Yeah. But Bo doesn't talk to people. Well, he doesn't do like he's press. Just, he's quieter, you know. Yeah. And, and and you know, I think when Perlman was going to write a book uh, that 
looked like an autobiography, but it wasn't quite because yeah. Bo wasn't Bo giving write him it. the access. Yeah. It wasn't like an anti-Perlman or an anti-book thing. It was just a, like, hey, I'm not interested. Um, but I remember Jeff was like, hey, can you talk to your dad and see if Bo will... Oh, right. I, I didn't like, even think of that. I was yeah. like, I don't think it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. So anyway, his book about the USFL, there's so much good Trump stuff in it. Yeah. And it's so telling. And I used, I cribbed a bunch of it for my, yeah. I mean, with credit, but uh, for my book. So Trump gets into the USFL ostensibly because he wants to support a league that is an alternative to the NFL and they play in the spring. Yeah. And there's these quotes from him as he gets in, like, I don't think that we should compete with the NFL. Like, fall football, is that's their thing. Mm -hmm. This is before the NFL is the juggernaut that it is today, right? I think that's probably fair. You might know yeah. better than me. But, like, yeah. and the NFL is still a big deal. It's very but like, viable, but this is an immovable object. Right. Now. Like, the idea yeah. now, it's like the USFL and the XFL are not like, we're going to take the NFL down. No, we're just going to catch the scrap. Exactly right. Yeah. So that the USFL, I think, was positioned to, to be a more credible alternative yeah. at the time. Mm -hmm. So Trump comes in and he is told by Rose, Pete Rosell, the commissioner at the time, he keeps, he wants an NFL team mm -hmm. badly. He wants a New York NFL team or New Jersey. And he's told by Pete Rosell, you will never have a team. You know, Rosell just doesn't like him. Doesn't want him involved. Doesn't think he's the kind of person who should be involved. Good instincts. Trump, <laughs> Trump, of course, All right, Pete. Trump, Trump hears that as, so you're saying there's a chance, you know what I mean? Like classic Trump, he like here's whatever he wants mm -hmm, to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so he he goes, he spends the next six to nine months essentially trying to convince all the USFL owners that what he has just said, which is competing with the NFL is non-viable to we need to compete with the NFL mm -hmm. or we're not, we're a joke mm -hmm. league. Like that, that your legacy is going to be you were a beta essentially. Mm -hmm. That you were on you were on the second tier league. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is entirely cooked up so that Trump can get an NFL team. His theory is we go we compete against them. The NFL eventually kind of capitulates and says we'll take a few of you these teams in, mm -hmm. and the rest of you will go bankrupt. But we'll take a few of these teams in, and we'll. One of them will be the New Jersey Generals, Donald Trump's yeah. team, Doug Flutie, Herschel Walker. Yeah. Like what happened with the ABA. Like with the, the ABA and the NBA. Yeah. Exactly right. So that's his working theory. But what he does is he winds up driving it into they, – they sue the NFL over antitrust issues, the USFL. Essentially, it's a, grounds, it's a monopoly. It's a monopoly. Yeah, again. You know, yeah. like you, 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 you can't control the entire sport right. through this one organization, right. this one privately held organization, yeah. blah, blah. They win, but it's – Trump is – Trump – the the – Lawyer for the NFL, there's quotes about this in the book, and they're from Perlman's book. Um, the lawyer for the NFL essentially makes Trump the whipping boy for the USFL. He puts Trump out as, like, the guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you want this guy? Mm -hmm. And so even though the USFL wins the case, they win a dollar in the settlement. Right. Which, because they've switched to the fall, bankrupts them. Mm -hmm. And so the USL <laughs> ceases to exist. So, like, mm -hmm. there's a real case to be made that Donald Trump bankrupts the U USFL. It sounds like, like he did. They're, they're, the USFL is, like, at that time viable yeah. as a spring league. They're mm -hmm. getting crowds. They're, you know, they're in Birmingham. They're in Tampa Bay. Like, you know, they're in a lot of, actually, a lot of places where the USFL now is. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, you know, they had Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy. You know, there were real – it wasn't like it is now where you're like, I've never heard of any of the guys on these teams. Yeah. There were real people mm-hmm. in the USFL. Not a ton, but yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. There was some star power. And Trump just drives it into the ground because he thinks he's – despite Roselle telling him he'll never get a team, he thinks he's getting a team. And also um, a well-known cheater in golf. Yeah, so Rick Riley has literally written the book on this. It's called Commander and Cheat, which is a great title. If you have not read it, I would recommend you read it. Um, So Trump, um, my favorite sort of Trump cheating has to do with club championships. Yes. So he has claimed to win, I think it's like 13 by this point, 13 club championships. Um, like four senior, these are all at Mar-a-Lago, like four senior championships and nine, like re- little le- legit, like regular championships. So I asked all these people, like, how the hell does he do this? Because like many things with Donald Trump, he is actually a quite good golfer. Mm-hmm. He's not as good as he says he is. Yeah, you're right. He's like a six or an eight handicap. Like, right. he's good yeah, for yeah. a 76-year-old. Yep. And I talked to this guy. Uh, who works for Golf Magazine, and he 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 uh, he said like you can tell that Trump spends all of his time focused on hitting drives far. Mm-hmm. That's that's his mark Sounds of a good, right, that's yeah. his mark of a good golfer. Mm-hmm. Which like could that be any more on brand? Yeah, that's you know right. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't care about the chipping and putting. Ah, eh, don't mm-hmm. worry about all that stuff. Like focus on the hitting it far. And actually, like a month or two ago, he's at Turnberry in Scotland, <clears throat> and he hits a drive allegedly 280. And he said he turns to the the press and he says, "You think Biden could hit a drive 280?" <laughs> Which is just like so. Biden also, by the way, a pretty good golfer. Doesn't play but anymore. The answer but, is no. But no, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not sure Trump hit it 280. Yeah, anyway, yeah. So I'm talking to all these people about the about the club championships thing because it just strikes me as weird. Yeah. And they say there's two basic ways that Trump wins club championships. One, he buys the club plays the first round and declares himself the club champion, which, you know, like anyone who's a member of a country club or been to a country club knows that's not how that works. Or two, he finds out what the club champion shot to win. Mm. And if he ever shoots below that, he declares in any round, n- not in a not yeah. in a tournament format, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in any round, uh-huh. he declares himself the champion. Yeah. So this past year, <laughs> he said that he won the senior championship at Mar-a-Lago. And I was like, I couldn't figure out why, like something was like itching at me and I couldn't figure out like what I could just trying to remember. And I remembered the it's a two day tournament, a Saturday and a Sunday. The Saturday he was at an event in South Carolina, like doing a political event, like a much publicized political event. So I was like, how the hell did that happen? And what happened was that people come show up the next day. They played the first round. They show up the next day and Trump's name is at the top of the leaderboard, despite the fact that he hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that, you know, that's sort of odd. And what he did is he used a score that he had shot like two weeks prior and said, this is my first round. <laughs> and so he used that score and then went on to win. So, again, it's like, you know, a bunch of them. Bill Clinton cheated at golf. You know, he'd move his billigans. Like, he'd, he'd hit mm-hmm. a bunch of mulligans. Uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson, like, just talk about not giving a shit. Lyndon Johnson would just hit like eight or nine balls at one mm-hmm. time. Like mm-hmm. literally just didn't care. Cup. Like just could care less. Yeah. Like didn't matter who he was playing with. Didn't, mm-hmm. It was just balls everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like until he hit one he liked. <laughs> but Trump's is like really well thought out. It's not like, oh, winner rules, kick the ball like mm-hmm. four feet. I mean, I think he does that too. It's like deep psychological mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he definitely cheats at golf. 
And he said he was a pro-level baseball player, but supposedly people looked up his... Totally right. So he, he, he has said many times over he was the best high school baseball player in New York, <laughs> which is just like simply not true. Um, just like the lie is just wild. Yeah, like it just best baseball player in New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of his box scores public available. I talked to people who played with him. Um, he's a super aggressive, again, like none of this will surprise you at all, like as in sports, as in life, right? He's a super aggressive hitter who's big. I mean, he's big. Trump yeah, is like 6'3", 6'4". He's like a big guy. Um, pretty good hitter, played first base, didn't ever really care about fielding or anything yeah. like that. Um, but the idea that he is the best baseball player in New York is just like totally. The average was what, like 200? Two, 200-something. Two yeah. Like, he is clearly not the best baseball player in New York. Again, he's not a – it's not that he's not a good baseball player. He's like a pretty serviceable high school baseball player. Just be player. like all the other presidents and just be a pretty the, good athlete. Right. He's a pretty good – he's, he's be a the pretty best. good athlete who's who's a very good golfer, he's I would say. Be the but, best. He, but he's obsessed with winning yeah. and always being the best. But not actually winning. But not actually <laughs> winning. I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete, like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, there's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. When we won, and uh, we won the Super Bowl in New England in 2016, and then Philly in 2017, yep. Uh, I had ruffled some feathers because I didn't go to the White House because yep. I don't like him, you know? And who's to say, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, I don't know that he'd be the only president that I'd skip mm -hmm. uh, because I'm just not terribly politically inclined for a lot of the reasons we've talked about mm -hmm. because a lot of the people, you know, hosting you are not people you'd want in your circle. Uh, for, well, and, for, and they're using your fame and, and your celebrity. You. I mean, they're that's the other you. thing you got to realize. They're like, using you. And, they're there because they think it's good for them. And the general public... They're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart. Yeah, and the general public, hook, line, and sinker, is like, this is a real opportunity. It's a special event. You can go eat McDonald's at the White House. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, Burger King, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that kind of spiraled a little bit. I can remember the second year... 
there were a core group of us who weren't going yep. uh, in Philly. I remember and, the and, Eagles. And, yeah. and it was kind of a developing thing. And like to take people inside behind the curtain, like we held a meeting, myself, Malcolm, and a bunch of guys who weren't going. And we were like, listen, no one's going to judge you if you go. This is just our personal, mm -hmm. you know, this is where we stand yep. and, we're, and we're not going to go to the White House. But we don't want you to think as leaders of this team that like if somebody goes to the White House, we still recognize the tremendous opportunity. Right. We're not going right. to. You're not going to be like, I can't be believe you did band. that. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, but the guys decided that, hey, just we're not going. I don't think people felt terribly inclined to go anyways. And then on top of it, the political climate was a big turnoff. yeah this was 2017 2017 yeah, 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 yeah. and and uh it, in the midst of all that there were protests there were protesting players there was the charlottesville yep, deal yep which hit close to home for me so if anybody's wondering besides the debates where i kind of made up my mind on this this guy um you know like that was where for me i was like oh, fuck that's right because charlottesville charlottesville yeah. had happened yeah i mean august had, of 2017 i was in training camp yeah for the yep. eagles and i can remember sitting in my car and thinking you know, here we are, we're in such need of um, a calming voice, uh, not Kingsford on the on the, on the the fire yep. here. Like, yep, Homer Simpson and, and on the barbecue. Got, yeah, and yeah. we got the Homer Simpson on the barbecue, yep. and I was just so disappointed. And long story short, all that culminates, uh, you know, with these protesting players, and I can remember to get these sons of bitches off the field and the whole thing. Needless to say, as an athlete, I wasn't a fan of him. As a person, I wasn't a fan of him. But we weren't the first group that didn't go to the White House. Nope. I mean, there was Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas, goalie for the Bruins. Yep. Absolutely. And there was Matt Burke, I believe. Yep. I don't want to yep. slander and, him. And Larry was. Bird. Larry Bird. Larry Ray, Bird in 83. Who did, did he skip? Reagan. Yeah. And it's there's a quote in That's the book, which is remarkable to me. I don't think, I, so I don't know that he did. Tim Thomas was definitely for political reasons. Yes. I don't know if Bird skipped for political reasons. I don't think he did. He's not yeah. super political. Um but the quote in the book is amazing. He says, uh, Reagan knows where to find me. If Reagan wants me, he knows where to find me, which is like an amazing <laughs> quote, beautiful. like pretty ballsy. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, and in fact, you guys weren't even the first team because the Warriors, Steph Curry, yes. had they had won in 2016, yes. and Steph had said, I'm not going. Yes. And the next, Trump did this very similar thing that he did with the Eagles. The next day, he said, well, you're not invited. Yes. And so, and he did the same thing with the Eagles. When it was like when, when a clear number were go not going, yes. he said, you're disinvited. That was the funniest shit in the world. I mean, <laughs> but, but it was but, like, you know what? remind me of it reminded me of my eighth grade girlfriend where i was like i got word that she was going to break up with you me so i was calling her. her to try to break yeah. up with her first yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> I you're dumped that. i did that with my current <laughs> wife in college and it actually worked out like we got back together but that's the oldest trick in the book but the bottom line is you know that white house thing has become and will continue to become a lightning rod uh, especially in, if he's back in, in the white sports. house i mean because, yeah i mean there's yeah. going to be this whole song and dance every year uh, and I just wonder where you think that whole well, thing's going. Is I mean, I do think it, I think it's your perspective is probably useful on this. So I wonder what you think, but, um, I still remember Michael Jordan saying, Michael Jordan was asked why he didn't take political positions. Yeah. And he said, you know, very famously like Republicans buy sneakers, buy too, sneakers too, right? Yeah. Fast forward from that to LeBron wearing an, I can't breathe warm up shirt. Yeah. So to, to you guys saying, you know what? Like. We're not going to just go. Yeah. You know, like, I don't agree with the guy. I'm not going to be seen with the guy. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's a personal choice. Like, yeah. I'm not saying the whole team shouldn't go. Yeah. I'm personally not going to go. I think that athletes have realized their political power in ways in the last, call it 10 to 15 years, that 
we are in much more of an athlete age than we were 20 or 30 years ago when it was like, well, if the owner says you have to go, then you have to go. So it was I, like indentured servitude versus yes. now you realize the power that you have as a professional athlete. I also believe, and I keep coming back to social media on a lot of issues, and I think it's 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 bad in a lot of ways, and uh, it's accelerating our course for like a collision here in this country. Yep. But as athletes, um, I think the access to all your fans yeah. The, the the vehicle to deliver your point of view, which yep. everybody else has. Of course, you. you're a human being on you earth. Know, like a carpenter <laughs> can talk about right. politics, but I can't because right. carpentry is somehow more nope. elevated in the you, arena. You, you, being, it, you being good at sports is not a disqualifier. It's not disqualifying. And, and, you know, I don't think my opinion is any better than anybody else, but when I had access to it, I would voice things, and as time goes on, you naturally just become uh, embroiled in all these conversations because you have that access point. And I think as time goes on, that shapes your opinion on what you do in scenario A or B. Of course, how you behave. Because you're in those conversations, and and you know your conversations are more visible. And I do think social media and and athletes having a vehicle to get their point across gives them equity in certain spaces that will dictate their movements in the future. And so like for me, if I'm gonna talk about certain things then I can't be doing certain things um, that that uh, are, I don't know what the word would be, that 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 counter my positions. And mm-hmm. so like- Right, you gotta, you gotta behave in a certain way. You gotta stand on what you believe right. in. And, and I think the more athletes talk about what they believe in, then their actions are gonna follow in some direction. But I don't think every athlete has realized or is interested in the power that that no, you know, and so I, I think you know Michael Jordan. If he played today, might still take a Michael Jordan stance, mm-hmm. and I have no problem with that. I think one of the biggest issues we had during the last couple of years, when it became really prominent that athletes were speaking out, is this attitude of if you don't say something, you're complicit. Right. Which is, and I'm sure at some point I've echoed, echoed that sentiment in a clumsy way or whatever. But I do believe that if you have something to say, you should say it. If you don't, don't. Uh, not right. everybody, not everybody has, has that take in this game. Right. Not everybody. And, right. And for me, it wasn't political. For me, it was about how he made me feel as an American. Because at the end of the day, I'm still an American, and I want to have pride in where I grew up and where I live and where I raised my kids. And and he did not make me feel proud, and uh, he still doesn't. Now, that's not to say that that Clinton did. I was a kid. It's not to say that George Bush and some of the missteps he had made me proud. Uh, it's not to say that I agree with everything Obama ever did, um, but what it is to say is that that guy just he made my skin crawl, and I'm not going to be in a room with him. The you know the year that we we reached right the to celebrate height. something that you yeah, it's right, just, right that's not something I want to share with the right, guy right and uh, and and I do think it's complicated. And I think sports and politics will continue to intersect, but I do think that athletes should feel that they have a choice. You don't have to get in nope. these arenas. But I do think I do think that some of this is Trump, but I do think athletes have become more politicized. I think people look to athletes more now than ever before for their opinions on stuff. Um, and I think I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's like it, it, Athletes are no different than the rest. They, they happen to be better at it sports, but they're no different than the rest yes. of the culture. Some people are really interested in politics. Yes. Some people, I mean, I'm sure your teammates, yeah. some of them just don't care. Yeah. It's just like, you know, totally, I, it's like people I run totally. into on the street. Some people are like, 
I watch you on MSNBC and I subscribe to your newsletter and, and I love those people. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Those yeah. people are great. The political junkies. But yeah. there's lots of people, including people I'm related to, like my wife, who's like passively interested kind of because of what I do for a yeah. living. But, you know, and it's like, but I do think that, that we are in an age and I think it's a good thing where athletes have started to realize their own power yeah. more. And it is social media, you have direct access, right? You don't have to like go through the team to release a statement or anything exactly. like that. You like, cut the middleman out. Right. But I think that's a good thing because I think we did live for a long time in this like indentured servitude vibe yes. where you worked for the team, yep. you were a company man, and Shut if you weren't and a company yeah. man, they got rid of you. Yeah. Um, and like, to me, that is incredibly short-sighted and unfair to the, the players in that you don't give up your presence as a citizen of the country and as of the world because you're good at sports. No, that sounds like You know Russia. what I mean? Like, no one, it's your point. Nobody expects that out of any other profession. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like, yeah. oh, you're, you're an architect. Well, you certainly can't have an opinion on Trump versus yeah. Biden. Yeah. Like, no one expects that. Yeah. And these are people with real platforms and real followings. Yeah. Um, now I think it's hard. I would get, it's probably hard for, um, some of them who are like Tom Brady doesn't strike me as terribly political, no. but Trump tried to rope him in. So to, not probably so not political. They threw the hat on, right? You know, <laughs> right. Just doesn't get it. The ironic doesn't get part what it is means. like, we associate Tom with all these ideals that, you know, that probably are very conservative and he's a Trump fan, but more often than not, like in a situation, just happened to be there and somebody handed he him was a hat. Playing golf with Trump, and the thin line with Trump was uh, five years ago. You could rub elbows with Trump. I totally. could be on, uh, you know, what's the show where he fires everybody? The or, Apprentice. Yeah, or he's on Celebrity Roast. You've got these comedians who are now they're left leaning and mm -hmm. they hate Trump. But five years ago, and that just reinforces the the fact that like everything's okay until you're running the country. You yeah, know, uh, so you're the and, actual and, president of the and, United and States. And the, the ledge that somebody like Tom Brady might not have identified was that, hey, that was his hat, which didn't exist before he was running, but his gear, his association. Yeah, playing with him, playing in a foursome with him. It just them. changed very fast. Yeah. And I think for people who, like Tom, who were maybe at best naive in that, did not make the association. No. Now, I'm not caping for Tom if, if he disagrees with me, but what I am saying is that sometimes we get we get overly focused on those little connections. Belichick points. is the same way. It's like, oh, Belichick is a Trump guy. It's like, I, I don't know about it's that. It's not and then sure after that January that's true. 6, it, yeah. Everybody, everybody. And, and I think their that distance. now I think it's a good thing that athletes have a microphone now because you can clear it up. You can. You can say like, look, this is my. And Brady has done that. Yeah. Like he's come out and said like, look, I'm not super my political. Bad. I'm yeah. not like. You know, I think he's more focused on like growing his own business and brand than he is on like the country, which again, by the way, is his right. Yep. You know what it's, I mean? Like it's that's, a, it's that's his freedom. And, that's his. And, and I think one thing that I did want to mention thinking through this uh, as an exercise, like is it good or bad for athletes to have this, this entry point? Like there's a lot of black athletes in this country who uh, unfortunately, if you look at industries where we have representation, uh, from people with different neighborhoods, different backgrounds than me or you, like a lot of those 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 foremost representatives are in sports. Yep. And so like, you know, you wanna go to Hollywood, well, it's just a bunch of white people. And you know, you wanna go to the business world, like, well, we've gatekept a lot of these industries. And um, you know, I, I think uh, when it comes to athletics, like we are gonna be disproportionately represented by 
uh, a lot of African American, um, you know, leaders in in the NFL, and like it's seventy percent black league. So, you know, I think having that entry point for a white athlete's a little bit different, I think, in white America than for like mm-hmm. uh, black America who's looking at some of these guys and gals like, well, you're what we got. You know, we need your voice. Right, right. And, you're you're a leader in the community. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not saying that there aren't great black leaders in other industries, but I do think like the diversity factor that we have in the NFL and in the NBA, like, all right, you want to hear how the rest of America lives? Well, these guys and gals grew up in different situations. And so I think their voice is is more needed in and a way. I think I actually think LeBron is a really good example of that. Like someone who gets it, like gets the fact that, you know, the the famous Dennis Rodman, like I, I'm I'm nobody's role model. Like I think Ro- LeBron gets, or maybe that was Barkley. Barkley, yeah. Barkley, yeah. Barkley, Barkley, right? Which is so funny Barkley. now that it was Barkley because I think well, he, he's think he gets it much more. He, right, he, he, he gets he, it much yeah. more now. But I think LeBron like intuitively sort of understands yep. the role that he is to play. And I mean, again, I think I, I always just I just contrast, and they're different people. To your point, they're different people. But I do yeah. contrast like what LeBron has said and done and the positions he's taken on political issues, yeah, uh, including on Trump, yeah, uh, versus like what Jordan did. I mean, Jordan was a, a, sort of a non-factor during the Reagan administration yeah. by his own admission. Yeah. Now, it may just be they're different people. And yeah. if LeBron had been around back then, maybe he would have been taken. But I do think there is this understanding that you have the ability now, and in some cases, the responsibility yeah. to speak out. And, and, and again, we live in a sort of monoculture now. I mean, that's part of what right. the book is about. Like it used to be, it was like, I don't want my politics and my sports to mix. You know what I mean? Like if you're a good athlete, I don't want to hear about sports. If you're a politician, I don't want to hear, uh, I, I don't want to hear about politics. If you're a good politician. I don't want to hear about sports. And I think we now live in this monoculture where it's like pop culture, you know, uh, uh, sports, politics, it's all, it's all in the same lane. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no silos anymore. Yeah. It's all in the same lane. Politicians have views about sports. Uh, athletes have views about politics. And, and so I actually think that's a good thing. I think this sort of siloed thing was like unfair to the average person who has a variety of interests. There's nobody you meet who's all, like, if, if the only thing you could ever talk about was your professional football playing days, you'd be a boring guy. Yeah. No one would listen to this podcast. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If all I could talk about was well, politics, Ronald Reagan, or not Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon would have listened. He would have listened. He would have loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if all I could talk about was politics, or all I cared about was politics, like mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. But mm-hmm. you know, m- most people are a little bit more nuanced than that. No question. And they have a variety of interests. And I think this at least recognizes it, sports and politics are not so different. Yeah. The same kind of people are drawn to it. The same kind of traits succeed. Uh, the same kind of people watch it and consume it. Also, you know, what like, we deem as political as far as a topic is concerned is oftentimes um predicated on what's pissing us off Mm -hmm. you know so like politics have been a part of sports for many years in a lot of ways maybe not as straight line as it is today but you know you talk about like some of the military posturing some of the I mean, the NFL today, I mean, like with their salute to service stuff, that's inherently a little bit political. I would say um, more than a little a bit. Recru- yes. It's a recruiting yes. tool. It's they're paying. There's money being exchanged, the whole thing. Um, you know, I think I think now it's just we're getting into the nitty gritty of some of the policies. Uh, and also we're hearing from people that we haven't heard it from yep. before. Which and is good. It's a good thing. I mean, yeah. more voices is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the problems we suffer from, and like, I look, I still think this is true. I, I keep coming back to the fact that 
we are very likely to see an 80-year-old nominee for one party and a 76-year-old nominee for another party, right. both of whom have run for president multiple times before. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember, Biden, that was uh, 2000 and uh, this is his third run for president, yeah. right? He lost twice before, yeah. 88 and 2008. That book about the 88 election is so good. What it takes? Yeah. God, it's so good. I got to read it. It's Richard Ben Kramer, who wrote a great biography of DiMaggio, too, mm -hmm. um, and was actually, he died, was writing an A-Rod book, which I would have loved to read. But uh, it's called What It Takes. It's about the 88 campaign. If you want to know about, just what I would recommend to people is like, it's a huge book. It's like a doorstop. It's like, you know, yeah. 850 I think I pages. It's like the Ulysses S. Grant book that Rosillo sent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Didn't he have to drop out for like plagiarism? He did. He had to drop something. out for plagiarism. Yeah. He plagiarized a he plagiarized a British politician. Oh, that's fine. Um, named Neil Kinnock. No way. Yes. Uh, but like, just read the Biden sections. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, first of all, it's amazing that a book written about the '88 campaign is telling in 2023, right? 25 mm -hmm. years later, uh, 35 yeah. years later. Yeah. Uh, but. The Biden sections are fascinating yeah. because Richard Ben Kramer and Biden, the author and Biden were tight. And so there's so much good Biden stuff in there. I, I want to ask you about this because it just popped up and we're talking about Biden um, with the whole Angel Reese thing. I, yeah, I had a theory. We had a theory yep. that uh, that when Jill Biden came out and said, hey, I was invited. Bring them both. I think she's trying. They're trying to win Iowa. Interesting. Could be. You know? I mean, that was always the speculation when Obama would pick brackets. The speculation was right. always that he would pick like swing states. Yes, is that like you UNC? Believe, do you subscribe to that that theory? I don't think Iowa is winnable. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could be trying, but the I don't last, think it matters. That was a hail mary. Yeah. Well, because it was everything in these. Uh, you know, we 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 everything on online and everything is these these political corners, and it almost feels like when there's a sports issue where there's two people or teams, it's like. You know, we're going to go over in this corner, and you and Iowa was like middle America, white girl, white girl. You know, and and, yep. and LSU was this uh, brash young African American uh, woman who's 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 playing the game her way, yeah, playing it like a lot of white athletes played it. But you could feel it. The media is like, okay, we're going to fight about this, and it's going to be through an identity lens. It's going to be yep. through a political lens. Pretty big gaff. And then, and then when when Jill came out and took the other side mm -hmm. of that, seemingly, mm -hmm. uh, she didn't realize either how inflammatory it was going to be, or she was doing it for those reasons. I think she probably was like doing the. Both teams are winners thing. Yeah, like, I actually don't... I'm give I, her too much credit here I don't, with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that there was... I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think there was a huge amount... She certainly didn't think it was going to create yeah. what it created. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there was a tremendous amount of, like, foreplanning. Yeah. I could be wrong about yeah. that. I think she did... She amazingly violated two taboos gender and race right because it's like the whole like <laughs> mm -hmm. well w with men yeah. you would never be like let's bring the losing yeah, exactly. team in it felt like uh, like with girls it's like or with the women's team it's like well it's fine everybody we're gonna have it, orange slices afterward like, like patronized totally Iowa. totally and i get that yeah um i don't think she meant all of that with i think she was trying to, i think she genuinely was like that was an exciting game to watch it would She's be not fun. online if you're online you have this you would cynical, know that this totally. cynical filtering system for everything that comes into your brain like she would have immediately realized if she had race and gender totally yeah totally people have been arguing about this all day 
Did did Barack when he played pickup with UNC and mm-hmm. then they win North Carolina yep. by like a yep. percentage yep. of a very point. close. Do you think that actually factors so, in as intentional? I talked to um, uh, a guy who wrote a book called The Audacity of Hoop, mm-hmm. um, which is a great, <laughs> great, yeah, great name. Uh, his contention is that Obama won Iowa, and remember, in that year he won Indiana too, mm-hmm. barely, barely. That. They played a ton of three-on-three games with mm-hmm. supporters throughout North Carolina and Indiana, and that that made a difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that and look, I can actually buy that in this regard. Yeah. Obama's biggest struggle was that he was seen as exotic. Yeah, right. He was a he was a guy with a, a Kenyan father, yeah. a white mother from Kansas. Yeah. He grew up in Hawaii with his grandparents. Mm-hmm. He lived in he he lived in Indonesia. Like Everything. his background is all like yeah. foreign, foreign, different, other. Yeah, right. And even though he's so fucking normal, he's such r- an American. Right. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I should mean, mention like, his name is also Barack Hussein Obama. I, like yeah, all yeah, of those things, a, all of those yeah. things added up to people being like, I don't know yeah. about this guy. And so I can buy that a guy who you can play pickup basketball with. I mean, my contention, I'm sure this is true for you in your life. Like sports are very, very revealing. If I need to know what someone's like, if I can play an hour of pickup basketball with them, I could give you a pretty decent sense yeah. of what they're like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might not be perfect, but it'll be close to the mark. Uh, I think this idea that Obama, it was like very regular guy. Yeah. It was like, he plays basketball. He's like us. So look, when you win by 0.1%, who the hell knows what it is that's the thing that puts you over the yeah. top, but it can't have hurt. No. I don't think there's any way it hurts. And I think it is, uh, Alexander Wolf is the guy who wrote the book, Audacity of Hoop. And I, mm-hmm. I think he makes a really good point about like, look, they're the two most basketball-crazy states in the country, yeah. so it's hard to dismiss the yeah. fact that he played a bunch of pickup basketball in these states, and he won those states, states that a, a, a Democrat hadn't won in 35, 40 years. And I've never said this on this podcast. I don't think I've said this publicly, but I met Obama. I got to spend 45 minutes with him, sat there and talked to him, me and a couple teammates. Uh, this was after he was president. And I got the, you know, again, I don't agree with every damn thing. You know, some people want to loop, loophole you into all these ideologies. But I, I, I just so enjoyed talking to him. Yep. He was just so down to earth. Yep. He could have a beer with you. Yep. He could shoot the shit with you. Um, he, he could play pickup basketball with you. You could just tell. Yep. And, it's and, that and I magnetism. think he, he was, he had, again, it's like the anti Nixon. He had the like, he had that like, common touch yeah clinton had it george w bush had it it's not you know it's not uh one party doesn't dominate it but yeah Yeah. Uh, and again i do look i keep coming back to it but i really do think the ability to talk sports and to understand the role that sports plays in Mm -hmm. american culture is a part of that like obama very famously would watch sports center rather than cable news yeah like you know, there. That's telling. That's re- that's guy. revealing. That's <laughs> yeah. what most people do. Yeah. Most people are not. I mean, look. You can tell by the cable news ratings. Most people are not watching cable news at mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. They're watching something else. They're watching Survivor, mm-hmm. or they're watching live sports, or they're watching some show something on Netflix. To numb my mind, not set it on fire. Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that he was good. He was very good at coming across, despite his background, uh, as an average guy. Which, by the way. We talked about this off camera, but I think it's true. Like, Donald Trump is good at that. Yeah. People think Donald Trump is a regular guy. And he does it. It's actually because he's more irregular than 
than Obama. You know, you much more the so. Identity out of it. Raised, you, raised in significant wealth. Father made a, him a million dollar gift as a twenty year old. You yeah. know, young twenty. The 20s. same people that call me and uh, you know and, uh, that scream nepotism because I got drafted number two in the draft, which by the way you got to earn. Uh, they love this guy. I was never given a million right. dollars. Right, I've exactly. I've everything I have. Right. It's just crazy the mental gymnastics it's, people will do to make this work. They will. And it, it is remarkable to me. I think the greatest trick Donald Trump ever pulled was uh, in the 2016 election was to be to make himself the voice of the everyman. Like, it's yeah. stunning to me. Like, yeah. this is a guy whose whole brand is built on gold, yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. His hotels cost, cost $1,200 a night to stay in. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it was aspirational, the appeal. Mm -hmm. It was like Trump's pitch was essentially like, I'm rich. I have a good-looking wife. Uh, uh, I can say and do whatever I want. Vote for me and you'll be like yeah. me. There's yeah. definitely that element to yeah. it. That yeah. like that, 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 And people were like, yeah, I want, I want that. I want the gold. I want that. I want all that. I want to. I kind of want to finish. We've been all over the place with with uh, JFK because mm -hmm. it's very interesting, the juxtaposition yeah. between this like – he looks like a jock. He he kind of embodies that. Totally. Like, but he was essentially, and I don't mean this pejoratively, but he was kind of a cripple by the end 100%. of his life because of his back injuries. He's so we talked a lot about sports and perception, Reagan, and like mm -hmm. you know that sort of stuff. JFK is like the classic example of that. So Camelot is obviously a creation, right? This idea that like he and his wife are super happy and they got these great looking kids and they're the all American family. Sports is a big part of that. So, you know, when you think of JFK, most people, and if I say JFK in sports, they'll, they'll either say sailing or they'll say football. Most yeah. of them will say touch football. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time he was, like, incapacitated. Right. He, he could barely play. He played one year at Harvard. Uh, and interestingly enough, so he had a really bad back. One of the theories about why his back was so bad is that after a game at Harvard, one of his family friends tackled him from behind jokingly and hurt his back. Damn. That's like one of the working theories of why his back was so, so bad when he was like 20. I kind of believe in the curse with that family. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to when you look at their life. Oh, my God. Um, so he was infirm. Yeah. I mean, like he was he was not a healthy man. Um, interestingly enough, JFK is a really good golfer, mm -hmm. but they downplay how much golf he plays because they don't want him to be seen as an elitist. Right. I, you know, I mentioned how much Eisenhower played. K Kennedy attacks Eisenhower yeah. for Kennedy attacks Eisenhower for how much he plays. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't want to be seen as a hypocrite, uh -huh. and he also doesn't want to be seen. It's still got that whiff of elitism mm -hmm. to it, the sport, mm -hmm. despite what uh, Eisenhower and, and and Palmer have tried to do for it. And so he doesn't want to be tied to it, but he's actually a really good golfer. But when you think of JFK, you think of that touch football. Football is a, certainly at the time and yeah. probably still today, more blue collar, mm -hmm. more average Joe, more swing state, right? And yeah. so it was all, you know, as like a lot of things with Kennedy, it was all a creation designed to appeal to voters and sports played a role in that. But he was famously a good swimmer. He, yeah, he, uh, PT 109. He, World War II he, yes. and after World War II. Yes. So he swam in college, um, and a lot of people say that prepared him. I did. I didn't know. So obviously, you know, he he was awarded. Uh, you know, he 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 was awarded medals of honor for his performance during when his boat was sunk. Yeah. But I, I go through it in the book just because I didn't know it, so I figured a lot of people didn't know it, like what he actually did. Yeah. And it's like pretty remarkable. I mean, it's like four or five open water swims, carrying a guy, mm -hmm. no light, middle of the night, trying to dodge the enemy. Mm -hmm. Like it's a pretty heroic moment. And by the way, that moment makes him right. as a politician. I mean, he, like 
if you read the press clips from after that, it's like he is an American hero. Yeah. It's like it's like a modern day McCain or yeah. it, back in the days McCain. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. he is seen as a, a an American hero for his performance in the war. It it leads to the House run, the Senate run. It's at the center of the presidential bid. Yeah. Like, but yeah. All because he's like a very gifted natural swimmer and yeah. swam in college. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I look at that section in the book because I was stunned at. I did. I it's did. crazy, right? Like, well, what's up with the pool? Uh, the, the oh yeah, he definitely in the White House. There's a pool in the White House. He definitely used that for less l less noble reasons. He would he would invite lady friends who were not his wife to the pool to swim. Got caught. Found out his wife was coming down. They sprint out of there. There's like footprints going out. I mean, it's like. Exactly what everything. So it wasn't an understanding with her. It, it, I don't think was, so. He was in certainly not in that episode. He was perpetually in trouble. Yes, yes. And again, talk about someone who couldn't do what he did now. Yeah. Like it should be impossible. Yeah. I mean, he just like his behavior was so like out there. Well, yeah. With women, and, and he's it, so revered. It's remarkable, but it's perception. Yeah. This is what we've been talking about. Yeah. It's like how how these guys model perception. It's yeah. like people think Ronald Reagan was a good athlete because he's photographed with a lot of good athletes. Yeah. And like, man, if osmosis made you a great athlete, I'd be a great athlete. Yeah. Like, I'd yeah. just hang out with a great athlete yeah. and get get have it rub off on me. It's not out. how it works. Yeah, um, you're at the wrong podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like. You know, it's all perception. Ford is is perceived as like this clumsy. Oh, Ford was a great athlete. Yeah, he was a Division one college football player. Yeah, you know, at the University of Michigan, like a real, real school, mm -hmm. real place. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just think that it, it is sports plays into the way in which we perceive who these guys are uh, in really powerful ways. They play a role in determining it too because they get it yeah especially now they mm -hmm. get the role that sports can play um and yeah you're being manipulated at some level i mean that's the art of politics is manipulation and persuasion persuasion yeah. putting it nicely manipulation putting it less nicely but sports is a part of it last question for you chris you've been so generous with your time sure of course you coming down this is a, this is a maybe a tough one if there's a professional athlete in today's era that you think could be president or, uh, or in you know the the preceding era, uh, who who you got? I mean, the most obvious one. It, so I'm going to subtract out their interest in politics, mm -hmm. right? Because I don't know. Yeah, Brady is like the most obvious one. See, I don't think I don't think he'd make it. You don't? No, I don't think he could handle the debate stage. So it's interesting. That's a really good question. It's a really good point. So I'm looking at it purely from like a name ID. Yeah. Uh, He's seen as like all American, yeah. like he's got a great vibe. Yeah. The whole, he's got an incredible personal story, whatever, his six mm -hmm. round pick or whatever the hell he was mm -hmm. to the best uh, yeah. quarterback of all time. Like that arc is really sellable in yes. politics, right? Yeah. That's how I'm thinking of it. As yeah. opposed to, no offense, but like yeah. the number two pick yeah. is less sellable. Yeah, you can't do that. You know, like, well, unless you're. Oh, we in, thought you were good and you were good. Unless you're Donald Trump. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> unless you're Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, he was actually the number one pick that yeah. year. You were number two. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, he was at Radio City the night before. Right, yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, yeah he snuck in there. Um, so it's a different thing. I'm looking at it purely like on paper. Yeah. Like on paper, Brady makes a ton of sense yeah. because he's so well-known. Uh, you know who else would be? But, but yes, 
one of the things with the modern athlete, too, particularly if you're Brady, is you're not used to being questioned in any yeah, meaningful no, no, way. You're no. not used to being challenged. He has such control of his Right, brand he lives in a bubble. That there's nothing that's no. going to get to him. No one is like, like, Tom, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that would happen in, in, not in anymore. politics. Not anymore. He was with the Patriots. Yeah, right. Here's one for you. David Robinson. Now, I told David Robinson this uh, on the phone once because we had interfaced on a charity thing, and I was Mm -hmm. like, hey, man, (laughs) this is going to sound crazy. I'm just sitting here in my hotel room ready to play a game. And I was like, we're fucking this whole thing up. I was like, you could save the day. I just feel like David Robinson would be the best president. Love him. Naval background. Yeah, and he's kind of a he's kind of a centrist, it seems like, so he'd be able to appeal to a lot of people. Does he live in Texas? I don't. He's got to live in Texas, yeah. San Antonio, or something. Yeah, my man would be. I got one other name force. for you from the NBA. Yeah. that I was thinking of, who I think would be good is Chris Paul. Chris Paul would be great because he's he already super experience. political. He's yeah. right. He's already super <laughs> political with it. Right. He's head yeah. of the Players Association. Yeah. He's already political. He's into politics. He helped. He and Steph helped Obama sell Obamacare. Yes. By right. the way, they helped se- yeah. sell signups yeah. for it. They yeah. did ads for yeah. it. Yeah. Um. I think being a point guard is actually like a useful training ground, trying to get a bunch of people involved. Good actor, all state. I know. I'm telling you, like he's someone. Again, we talked about this beforehand, but like professional athlete athletics is one thing where your career is. You need to find a second career much younger than the average person, right? Like by I don't know what the washout rate in the NFL is, but probably by the time you're right, three years. Yeah, so you're in your mid twenties, you got to find another gig. Yeah, you're in your mid thirties, you got to find another gig. So like Chris Paul is not old. He's old for the NBA, but he's not old, particularly compared to who we're talking about. Well, he's old enough that now he might just be able to walk right into the Oval Office with the age. uh, (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Thirty eight or thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah. Well. I'm not ready. So. <laughs> you, you, got, uh, you got some seasoning to do. Chris, I appreciate uh, the time. Oh, my gosh. I'm thrilled to do here. it. it was thrilled really to do it. Enjoyable. Great to meet you. Hope to interface again, man. Love to. Maybe maybe in person, maybe on Zoom, but we'll get you Love to. Again. I'd love to. Love, yeah. love the pod. Big fan. Thank Big you, fan brother. of yours. I appreciate it. Of course. It.